Hey, this is Mark with A Present Word, where scripture is shared with insightful and practical applications for you today. Mark chapter 14, verse 12. Now, when the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover lamb, his disciples said to Jesus, Where do you want us to go and prepare that you may eat the Passover? And he sent out two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. Wherever he goes in, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Then he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. So his disciples went out came into the city, and found it just as he said to them, and they prepared the Passover. Luke 22, verse 14. When the hour had come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. Then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. John chapter 13, verse 2. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and was going to God, said in John chapter 14, verse 30, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me, but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. John chapter 18, verse 1. Jesus went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas also knew the place, for Jesus often met with his disciples. Verse 3. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns. Matthew chapter 26, verse 48. Now Judas had given them, the troops and officers, a sign saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him. Luke 22, verse 47, entering the garden, Judas went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? All right, we'll stop there. We know Jesus had been faithful to Judas for over three years, loving him and showing him the Father, miracles, healings. And what did Jesus get in return? A kiss of betrayal. Also betrayed all his brothers by selling out the Lord and leaving the troops and officers to the secret garden location. Why was Jesus leaving the upper room and journeying out at night? Why not stay there for the night? Well, Jesus knowing all things knew exactly where Judas was and what he was up to, and that Judas was on his way back to the upper room, and this time he was not coming alone. Now, I know I'm taking some liberty with the scripture here, but I think it makes perfect sense that Judas would bring the mob with him and first go to the upper room. Jesus said, the ruler of this world is coming. How is he coming? He's coming through Judas, and he was leading the troops and officers with torches and weapons straight to them. When they arrived at the upper room and realized they were gone, Judas then led them straight to the garden location. Have you ever asked the question, what happened to Judas? What was going on in his head and his heart? 
Why would he do such a terrible thing? What happened to him? How was the devil able to enter his heart to betray Jesus with a kiss? Well, let's take a look. In the Gospel of John, chapter 12, starting in verse 1, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. There they made him a supper. Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of oil. One of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who would betray him, said, Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and used to take whatever was put in it. Here is a clue, he was a thief. Matthew chapter 26, verse 8, it's really part of the same story. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? Well, that's another clue. Verse 10, when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. We're going to jump to Matthew 26, verse 14. And shortly after this event in Bethany, then one of the disciples called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought opportunity to betray him. All right, we'll stop there for a minute. I believe that's when the devil put into the heart of Judas to betray him. What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him silver or money. See, another clue. I believe Judas was offended by Jesus. He was offended by how he allowed or permitted others to worship him, like Mary with the oil. Judas' attitude was, why this waste? Judas was seeing things naturally and not spiritually, or from heaven's point of view. He believed what Mary did was a waste of precious oil and also a waste of money. But Mary of Bethany saw something very different. She had a heavenly perspective. When we commit our life to Christ and walk away from all our natural affinities, inclinations, some friends, our previous lifestyle, it can have an effect on those who are our close acquaintances. Serving Jesus can be offensive to some people. They think we're wasting our life, throwing it all away on some religious spiritual fantasy when we should be doing something productive with our life, something they can approve of or glory in, making money, acquiring wealth, and social status. I believe Judas finally came to the place after Mary took this pound of very costly oil of spikenard. He said, enough of this foolishness, this has to stop. Somebody has to take control and redirect Jesus back to the temple, and high priest will be able to sort out all this nonsense. Of course, those are my words and thoughts. Well, it's apparent to us now that Judas completely missed the purpose of Jesus' ministry on the earth, and what was about to shortly take place, Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, on that very coming Sabbath. The devil had deceived him, the high priest had deceived him, and his life did not end well. Had Judas not been a betrayer, they could have had a lovely evening in the upper room and slept by a crackling fire, warm and dry, instead of sleeping out under the stars for another night in the garden. 
It's interesting to note here, we find the first Adam in a garden and the last Adam also in the garden. Well, Lord willing, I'll discuss that topic in a future podcast, but I want to stay on point. This story is an example to us not to lean to our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge the Lord, seek for understanding, wisdom from above concerning our life and what he's doing in his church. Otherwise, we could be found betraying or undermining the very work of God by allowing the devil to get a foothold in our heart. What do I mean by that? It's a place where we have self-interest or self-seeking. Judas said, what will you give me if I betray him? James 3.16, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Well, Judas should have been saying, what will you do to Jesus if I bring him in? But we know that Judas didn't really care about Jesus. He didn't care about his other brother disciples. He only cared about himself and what he was getting out of it, what's in it for him. So he was so deceived, he thought he could cash in on Jesus and get away with it. On the night Jesus was betrayed, we understand he was protecting his disciples. He knew Judas was coming back with a bob, and if that scene played out in the upper room, it possibly could have gotten ugly. Most likely, all of the disciples would have been arrested and imprisoned also. We go back to John chapter 18, verse 8, the scene in the garden, when Judas approached them with the mob, Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. Here we see Jesus loving and protecting his disciples, obeying his Father. That's why he said, arise and let us go from here. He did not want the betrayal to take place in the upper room. This was not new for Jesus. In John 7, 1, it said, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. And it says, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done things on the Sabbath. That's John five sixteen. We know the Apostle Paul was pursued throughout his ministry by zealous Jews committed to Moses, and also false brethren which kept Paul on the move, the same with Peter and many of the other disciples. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 2, Jesus speaking, When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. For surely I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. We too may find ourselves being pursued by unfaithful brethren, those who would betray us or have betrayed us. We may be part of a church plant, a church work, but over time the devil gets a foothold in the heart of the leaders and it becomes corrupt and self-seeking. When this happens, we must arise and move on. In Matthew 24, verse 10, and many will be offended and will betray one another and hate one another. Then many false prophets will arise and deceive many, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Yes, many will be offended, like Judas was. Today we are living where lawlessness abounds and the love of many has grown cold or will grow cold, but you and I must endure to the end. We may have to leave the comfortable upper room by the crackling fireplace, pack up and go, seemingly in the night, spiritually speaking. 
But we're not going in fear, but in love for our brothers and sisters in Christ and obedience to the divine leading of the Holy Spirit. See, if we remain in a place of compromise, we will endanger those who are looking to us in Christ. And we too could quite possibly be affected by the deception where our love too would grow cold. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, Paul is exhorting Timothy, carefully follow my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Lyconum, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. See, if we are true followers of Christ, then we will suffer persecution. If we desire to live godly lives, we will suffer persecution. It is unavoidable. Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. See, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. It says we're blessed. May we find a way to count it all joy, knowing we're storing up reward in heaven. In Luke chapter 13, verse 33, Jesus speaking, Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem, the city of our God, emphasis added. We too must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following, looking up, for our redemption draws near. I believe we can make the verse in John chapter 14, verse 31, a personal word that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, so I do. Arise, let us go from here. I hope this message was helpful to you today. If you would like to be notified of future podcasts, click the follow or subscribe button. Donations to A Present Word in any amount are greatly appreciated. Just click the support link or the heart button if you're on our website. To contact me, the email is apresentword at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.